This is Limit Up, a trading podcast presented by the performance coaches at Top Step. We discuss futures, forex, stocks, options, history, trading psychology. Basically, if you can trade it, we'll try our best to make sense of it. Now, on to the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Limit Up podcast, presented, as always, by Top Step, and joined not, as usual, uh, not by Dan, but just with JD today, Mr. Doherty. How are you doing? Hey, Jack. Doing fantastic. Happy to be filling in again. Thanks for having me. Well, absolutely. Uh, Dan was feeling a little under the weather, so I'm glad you were able to uh, step up and do this damn thing. <laughs> and it's uh, a fortuitous turn of events, because today we're going to talk about some basic technical analysis patterns that every trader should be looking at pretty much no matter what you trade. It kind of cuts across assets. Uh, it cuts across. It, it, they're just ubiquitous in the world. But um, first, I thought we could touch a little bit on what's going on today in the universe. Uh, we saw Bitcoin hit $50,000 this morning, and I saw several op-eds in some of the major newspapers about Inflation is a problem or it's not a problem in the future. Yeah, I, I can see. So this is an audio medium, but I can see JD chuckling over here. It's been a running thing pretty much since the late 70s that we'll watch out for inflation. <laughs> it's just around the corner. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming, right? Well, there's an incredible graph. You can look it up out there. I'll send it out on social media or something like that for the, on the top step page. So, so the Fed members make their predictions of the path of interest rates going forward. And since the early 80s, it's essentially just been a slope line all the way down. It goes up a little bit. Then it's been at zero for, you know, or just a little bit more than that for more than a decade now. And what's funny is they, they plot on top of the actual uh, what has happened with interest rates, which is obviously tied to inflation. Uh, it's how you combat inflation. Uh, but they always think it's going to be higher. There's a slope after slope of being, it's raising this year, it's rising this year, and it just never happens. So I guess it's put up or shut up time. Yeah. I mean, based on what the Fed said last week, they say they're pretty set on keeping the inflation rate just above 2% for now, you know? But I mean, if you're going out to the grocery store daily, you could see prices maybe rising a little faster than they're expecting. I mean... Literally, just walk around the grocery store. You'll see prices kind of creeping up on everything. Dry goods, bread, beef, milk, and eggs. Even booze in Chicago. Like, booze. We're known as the cheap spot. This is like, that is the only thing that people in Chicago don't go to Indiana for. You know? <laughs> I never and, thought uh, about it that way. Oh, Indiana's a pain. And even that's Indiana, they up. don't sell alcohol on Sundays. <laughs> I know that because I went to school there for a while. Uh, but I love starting off with a little inflation talk because uh, I come from an econ background. And I find this stuff fascinating. And it ties in traders, I promise, is first and foremost, I think that uh, the CPI, how they calculate inflation, is sort of an outdated way of doing things. And you're right. Over the last 10 years, you haven't seen a ton of... Uh, increase in price as far as bread and eggs energy has come down uh in 2007 or whatever it was oil was at 150 dollars a barrel but where you do see it where all that inflation is hiding in the mind of jack pelzer armchair economist is in assets <laughs> so we've seen this so where's all the money gone well the stock market is certainly a lot higher the cost of higher education is 
through the roof. Healthcare costs are super high. There's all these things that have experienced what else could you call but tremendous asset inflation. It's just that they're not in the basket or that, that we use to measure these sorts of things. You know, what, what, what would happen to the price of eggs if, uh, people were to theoretically sell stocks at these valuations or something? It's just the money is hiding, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. And looking forward at the, um, stock market right now, we've seen the 10 year yield creeping up a little bit and that would be bad for stocks. That was kind of one of the triggers everyone's waiting for to kind of end this market euphoria. And there's been a little bit of stop here. Granted, we're still within striking distance of 4,000 in the S&Ps. But if these yields continue to rise, I think that's just something I would keep my mind on. And um, naturally, the Bitcoin also goes into an inflation play. I swear to God, I, I heard my mom the other day mutter. She wasn't even talking to me about it. She muttered, and she listens to this sometimes, so know that I heard you say this, but uh, she she muttered that she should buy some Bitcoin. And I was like, what? And she didn't say anything beyond that. Uh, so I don't know. I guess we'll finally learn. Buy it all, Mrs. Pelzer. Buy it all. <laughs> buy it all. And uh, yeah, probably go straight to 100,000. <laughs> but it is, it'll, it'll be interesting. I don't want to go off the Bitcoin, but it will be interesting to see if it's ever able to be used as a medium of exchange beyond drugs because right now... You'd have to be daft to spend it, right? Yeah. And that's pretty much what Janet Yellen said last week, too. And anybody probably shorting right now is getting run over if they're following what Ms. Yellen said last week. Yeah. I've heard that there's a lot of people short in the futures. So this could be another one of those short squeezes. Because, you know, remember, compared to the currencies and stuff, this shocked me when I first learned it. But the the market cap, if you could call it such a thing, of all of Bitcoin is just a little bit more than Tesla. That's kind of surprising, right? It is surprising. I mean, it sounds right when you say it. I don't... I would have thought there were like trillions of dollars in it. It's like 800 billion or maybe, you know, who knows today. Now it's probably close to a trillion, but... Well, there's only a finite number of Bitcoin available. And I think people are still mining for them or trying yeah, to, Yeah, right? but it... Impro- yeah. <laughs> yeah. You set up a... Pot, you, go, you go next to a water dam in, uh, in China and they set it up... <laughs> Everyone out there, don't don't try and do that. That's uh, that that ship is long sail. But anyway, yeah, foolish, absolutely foolish. Uh, but if you are trying to trade Bitcoin or futures or anything else, uh, might be worth it to take a look at some technical patterns. That's how we do transitions on the show. So basically, we've we've been once again. I could see JD giggling about that. Yeah, it was silly. Um, we've been talking about technical analysis as sort of a theme this month. As sort of an introduction for people who might be new to it, but also kind of have some thoughts about psychology for people that might have been using it for a while. And so today we thought we'd go into a couple of the more popular technical patterns you'll see on a chart and uh, kind of talk about what we think about them, how to use them, things like that. And since JD uh, wrote a whole blog series on this, well, why don't we just jump in and start with... Uh, the flags, and the pennants. Now, keep in mind, before I let JD run away with this, is that it's all based on the concepts of support and resistance, which hopefully you know, but if not, go check it out, read it up. But these are direct uh, use cases of it. So, JD, I have babbled on enough. 
lay it on us. Let's oh. talk flags and pennants. Flags and pennants. Yeah. First things first, you know, the beautiful part about technical analysis as opposed to fundamental. They're both good and you should have a balanced approach using both. But, you know, a technician can trade a chart pattern on any time frame in any market. We talked about this a few weeks ago. It doesn't matter if it's stocks, commodities, currencies. You could trade them on a daily, monthly, one-minute tick-by-tick chart even if you wanted to. Uh, the pattern's the pattern. Just knowing how to, to identify them is important. That's where the flexibility comes into play. Uh, fundamentalists, uh, they kind of have to stick to what they know and hope for the best when they're entering a trade. Whereas for a, a retail day trader, you know, your entry and exit points are very technically based. You have to have levels set up or at least an idea of where you want to get in and out of a market. You can't just kind of shoot from the hip and hope for the best, you know? Well, they have to be because otherwise you're just, if you're truly by the textbook definition day trading, that's not the right time frame to be doing those right. sorts of fundamental trades. Right, exactly. Uh, just quick overview, benefits and whatnot. So flags and patterns, we'll start with the flag. There's obviously bullish and bearish flag patterns. The easiest way to identify a flag is, you know, just drawing a short channel. When you're trading in a market that's in an uptrend, a flag pattern is sort of like an area of consolidation or a pullback. And you'll be able to draw two short parallel lines. If you're in an uptrend, two small parallel lines moving in the opposite direction of the underlying trend. There's really no minimum or maximum amount of reversal points to confirm the pattern, but it should be, you know, a decent side, maybe 10 to 20 price bars. The move leading up to the formation, the pole, or the flagpole, that's what it's called. Your tracement level should start from, well, it shouldn't exceed more than 50% of that initial uptrend. So anything less than that, Anything more than that, I should say, you'll be looking at a reversal. Right, because it's a form of a range trade, basically. If you think of your basic range trade where something's just bouncing back and forth horizontally, right, is it just if it's going up in that channel, then you got a flag like that. And if it's going down, it's pretty straightforward. It's basically a pullback. You're trading a pullback or you're looking at a pullback, what it is. Aggressive traders, when it's first identified, if you've seen the pattern before, you could probably start to look for long positions near the bottom channel line. Uh, but for the most part, you're looking for a close above the upper channel line for confirmation with corresponding volume bars. Volume also plays a big apartment, an important part in these uh, patterns. You want to see volume corresponding to the move is what I'm trying to say. No, that's an absolutely good point and takeaway for no matter what sort of technical analysis you're doing and how you're using it in trading, you the more volume, the better as far as confirming these moves. Absolutely. So on a bullish flag pattern, for every move up, you want to see slightly higher volume than the move down. And then on a breakout, you want to see, you know, a giant spike in volume. That's just going by the book. And these are just, these are textbook patterns. There's, you know, a dozen or so of these chart patterns out there that you could read about anywhere but they're just important to know. Well, we just happened to start there. I think what would be interesting as we move on to kind of get more 
I'll call it the fundamental analysis of technical analysis. I'll patent <laughs> that right now. That can be my book. So as, as we go to talk about, say, a double top or double bottom. So that's everyone out there probably knows what we're talking about there. You see there's a, a resistance area. Uh, if it's a double top, it's where the sellers come in, the buyers can't break through. And I think this is a really interesting pattern to talk about to get down to why these patterns work more often than they don't because it gets into the crowd psychology that is the market. So at a double top, there's clearly an area where the sellers or the buyers are rejected, right? And when it happens that second time, it really, you got to think about how you would feel if you were on that side of the trade, right? Uh, they've taken control there. It's interest in selling at that point, And then it tails off. Uh, what are your thoughts on kind of like trading? When do you get into something like that? Uh, first of all, you should keep your risk pretty, pretty tight when you're trading double tops, even triple tops. They're common patterns. They happen a lot, but especially right now in equities, when we're kind of trading in uncharted territory, I mean, unless you have some inside information on where stops are buried up top, you know, like you just want to, if you're trading at new levels, you want to keep your keep your risk tight. But for the most part, just identifying a double top, you know, it. the peaks don't have to match exactly. It's a frequent common pattern. And really like you're just, you're looking for confirmation through volume on a move below the trough and then a simple price objective. I mean, it, it is a reversal pattern, but it doesn't really mean that there's a shift in trend coming uh, from a day trading perspective. If you can spot it early, yeah, you're good for a, a couple ticks, maybe a little more than that. But really, in a in a strong bull trend like we've been in for the better part of the year, keep it tight. There's no sense in getting run over by a false signal, which also is very common with the pattern. Yeah, you're not the only one, obviously, who is watching these things. Also, that plays into the reason why they work to some extent is that everyone is collectively noticing these areas as Hogue would call them areas of importance. So another fundamental of tactical point that you made right there is that these things aren't super, super, super precise, right? You can't just be like, this is where I draw the line in the sand. There's an area at which previously the sellers have rejected the buyers or, you know, this is an important area in price, right? Yeah. And everybody, and everybody sees the same thing. There's, there's nothing new in these chart patterns. Anybody that's ever studied technical analysis can identify these patterns. There's thousands of people looking at this chart, and they're probably seeing the same exact thing that you are. And it kind of leads to, I wouldn't say a herd mentality, but uh, sort of, cr it'll create congestion around the area. You know, as we as we talk about this more and in an audio medium, I think it might be better just to kind of, you know get out of the way of some of this and talk more kind of generally about it because JD's right. You can just go get a PDF. There's a hundred of them out there, search it and get all the technical patterns you want. Knowing their names won't make you a good trader. Knowing what they are won't either. And there was an interesting, uh, in the context of uh top step and the uh, trading combine, you're asked today about how does following rules 
make you a good trader. And I guess what I thought to that was that, no, it doesn't guarantee you to be a good trader. It will make you better to have that discipline, right? I think that carries over to all the learning you do as far as technical analysis or anything else is just because you know what it is, you're not given money for identifying what pattern is occurring right now. It's how you make the trade. It's how you get your entry and it's how you do your trade management once you have it on. It's true. A hundred percent. And I heard this a long time ago. A guy told me that some of the best traders he's ever known have been C students simply for the fact because they know they're going to take a loss sometime and they don't care. They can get out easily. It's when ego takes over when you're studying a pattern for weeks and weeks and you put your trade on and it's obviously going against you and you don't get out, you know, you're just, you're playing ego versus what's actually happening in the market. So it's sort of like a, you got to have that balance. You got to have, I wouldn't say an itchy trigger finger, but you got to have the, just a slight bit of impulsivity to be able to execute when you see the pattern setting up and also the wherewithal to know when you're wrong and just get out immediately. All traders are impulsive to some extent. <laughs> it's just not a job that attracts the kind of per the kind of person who decides that they want to get in and actively trade. That's definitely a personality type. And it's all about checking that in some ways. I- I've met very few traders who it's like you're being too timid getting in the trades. I've met a few, but like it's 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 way more people you could do a lot of damage with a little bit of information and folks that they study the PDFs, they read the books, and then they're just trying to identify patterns all over the place, not really separating the uh, signal from the noise, as our boy Nate Silver would say, and just kind of and making a hundred trades a day on anything that they think resembles a chart. And you got to avoid that. If you use technical analysis right, what I kind of like about it as opposed to fundamental longer term things is I think you're more likely to get out because there's a pretty clear, if your technical pattern doesn't work, you're just being a stubborn uh, a-hole if if you're not getting out. Versus (laughs) fundamental analysis, you can develop all sorts of rosy pictures that don't exist, right? (laughs) buy Buy it. Buy and hold it. It's coming back. As we say, transfer it to the personal portfolio. Right. Yeah. What was the old, uh, the other old trading floor adage? If I like tens, then I love the eights. Yeah. I'll buy all the sixes you'll sell me. Well, that was, but that, that was doesn't work either. Of, yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> that was, I, I swear that was the kind of trading we like, had to do because we were trading other product combinations when I, when I was trading where... It's bad because sometimes it's the exact opposite of what we tell people to do that are trading lots of futures unhedged and stuff like that. There are ways to trade that involve just laying more and more on, but not when you're just trading outrights, right? Correct. Not the way we're doing it, for sure. Absolutely not. So as we get brought, like one more thing that is on our list is uh, the idea, and I think this is more broad and this might be more fun, uh, talking about swing highs and swing lows. Oh, for so sure. So that's something you love to look at. So maybe just for those out there, you can just define just so we're on the same page as what you see as a swing high. Uh, sure. So when the market makes a high and is immediately followed by two consecutive lower highs and lower lows, that would be a swing high. 
inversely, uh, a swing low is price making a low and is immediately followed by two consecutive higher lows. That's basically a swing high. And the best way to use these, in my opinion, in my experience, is to throw a moving average in there. And it's just to help identify trend and keep you on the right side of the market. That's all it is. And you can use them on any time frame, just like a regular chart pattern. You can go down to the tick chart if you wanted to. But yeah, looking at them on a 30-minute chart, they should be easy to spot. They should just pop right out of the chart. And uh, they're just a great way to stay on the right side of the market. Yeah, more so than some of the other than the named patterns is I hear people constantly talk about swing highs, swing lows. They have them marked in their chart. They're once again, as we said, areas of importance where then you have to just read the order flow, read the volume and then figure out what you want to do with that or absolutely an option not to put on a trade, which I think if you take one thing away is just don't trade too much. Overtrading is a killer. I think anybody that's done this long enough has had their time where they're just clicking away and nothing good happened. Yeah. It's always better when you're starting to feel that, that itch and your hand's shaking and you just keep hitting the, you keep clicking the mouse, just go away, just walk away. It's the hardest thing to do. I know. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, certainly. But I, I guarantee that I am, net down a lot of money on times when I've thought like I should just puke this trade and leave, you know, or, or just stay flat through it. Mm -hmm. And those are some of the toughest choices for a trader to make somebody that needs to be in the market at all times in order to know what's going on in the market. Like that's sitting out is the hardest thing to do. I know that personally I went through it. I mean, when you're first getting started in this, I know like, the thrill of actually being in just having a little action on it can be, I won't say addicting, but it's empowering, you know, and you just want to keep being in. I mean, I'll say it's, it's addicting for some people for sure. Oh yeah. 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 I won't I disagree with that. Yeah. I think, I think, I think we'd be fair and say that. And I think it's tough too, because sometimes the events, right. Where you should be sitting out, they're tempting because it's the same thing as, you know, buying a, powerball ticket or something where you know it's gonna be volatile and you know that if you're in the right side you're gonna make a bunch i remember back when uh this would have been oh man 10 years ago now about when they uh announced the uh, operation twist with the uh bonds from the fed and it was the craziest bond market move i had ever seen and Everyone at a certain point was trying to get in it, but there was just no rhyme or reason to be had. And I think everyone walked away. You know, maybe one guy made a bunch, but it was just it was just luck. And and then a bunch of people got absolutely killed just trying to. It's like trying to uh, explore a planet that you're not from, right? You, you got to know <laughs> you got to know what you're dealing with, and if you don't, maybe you know, sit it out. Yeah, or trade around it. Don't be in the market when the. When you know a big number's coming out, don't be in before it happens. I mean, there's always a knee-jerk reaction, and then the actual move afterwards. They're going to shake out both sides of the stick before the actual move happens. So, Yeah, that's that's definitely happens very, very often. I, I was going to ask, too, is we, we went through some of these basic ones. Are there any of these uh, technical patterns or versions of them that you feel yourself kind of going back to more than the others? Uh, well, there's the obvious ones that... 
show up day to day, whether you're looking at a, a daily. Uh, I know Dan Hodgman loves the four hour chart. I started looking at that just based on what he said, but I love the 30 minute and the 15 minute chart. And I see flag patterns all day long. And it's just one of those things that I can't help, but always have to be a part of when I see one setting up, you see one almost every day. And when it lines up with a couple of moving averages, uh, that's probably my favorite trade to make, especially when you're on the lower end. When you're on the lower channel line of the flag, uh, you have limited risk and pretty decent profit potential. So that is my my favorite setup, a flag pattern lining up with a couple moving averages. That's bread and butter for me. That's great stuff and because you, you, you want to go with the trend generally. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, that, it's, that's what we tell everyone as well. And the, a lot of the patterns that you see drilled in the heads are the, you know, big reversals or whatever else. But by and large, if you keep yourself tight as far as your stops and stuff, it's always better to be with those long-term trends. Mm-hmm. That's in fact, like that's the best technical pattern of all is just look at the chart. Where along with going? the trend, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you're going to you know. fade the trend, cut your size in half and uh, never risk more than one percent of your account balance, I would say. <laughs> well, that's a good point. I mean, if you're gonna, if you are gonna trade a lot, cut your size way down. And I think sometimes people don't believe that you can actually risk just one percent or less than a percent of your account. But I assure you, that's the way to uh, being successful in the long run. In this game, for sure. Take care of the pennies. The dollars will take care of themselves. There you go. Nice. I like that quite a bit. So um, our takeaways for this is uh, learn your fundamentals of technical analysis and, you know, know the patterns, but don't treat them as rules. Don't treat them like uh, traffic signals, right? Where green means go. You see green, you go, right? Yeah, there's no holy grail here. This is uh, this kind of see and go kind of kind of game. I won't say it's kind of a see and go. This is exactly a see and go kind of game. So you could play a pattern. It's not always going to be right. So don't fall in love with it. Yeah. Don't, don't start treating it like it's your something, you know, that everyone else doesn't know or something like that. (laughs) Um, you know, it's at the end of the day, this is all simple. Sometimes it's hard to even talk about some of these patterns because it just seems so. Intuitive is not the word, because I'm not going to say they're necessarily intuitive, but ultimately they are kind of stylized way of looking at a chart and just seeing where the trend is going or if there's something we should be watching out for. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to see it. We're all looking at the same thing, but we'll, we'll interpret it a hundred different ways. I don't know if that contradicts what I said earlier. Uh, everybody is seeing the same setup. If a hundred people are looking at the same chart, they'll all see the same setup, but maybe interpret it just a little bit differently. Ooh, but you know what a good point is that I, I just thought about is that everyone's seen the same setup unless you are on the completely wrong time frame. Yeah, uh, is, true, is, yeah. you know, which is why one last party thought as well. We always talk about it is you got to zoom out to the larger time frames to see if you're not kind of walking into something that is much mm-hmm. bigger than what you're trading on the minute bars or something like that, which I would not, you know, particularly recommend doing anyway. No top-down approach mick talks about the top-down approach all the time and it's definitely the way to go start with your weekly then your daily then your hourly then your 30 minute 
expand your view of the market before you dive in. Never a bad idea. That's a good, yeah, good thing to think for life too. You know, start with the, <laughs> start out broad, come in, come in down the line. So what else are you, uh, as long as we have a few minutes here and we have the dancing bear in the studio or the virtual studio, what are you watching out for as the, the never ending grind higher in stocks persist? I, I, I can't believe that we're within a hundred of 4,000 on the ES. Yeah, and 4,300 is coming, and I just watch the grind higher. I mean, <laughs> I'm not selling tops in this market right now. For the last two weeks, we watched volume drop as trading ranges contracted, and uh, I think everybody thought a move back down to the 20-day moving average was inevitable, and then it just popped again this week. You know, it's uh, it's just a never-ending loop of sucker in weak shorts, and push it higher. That's all it is. Yeah, I mean, the shorts have been fueling rises in so much of this. Just the new short. It's just it's like watching those zombies in Twenty Eight Days Later or something. There's just <laughs> all, you know one of them dies, the next just runs in. You'd think people learned their lesson, but something like a, a market like this isn't going to fall until either all the shorts have capitulated mm-hmm. or there's an exogenous shock. I'm putting on my econ hat again. That would that would mean some sort of event, say coronavirus last year. But look at what coronavirus did to the market. It uh, we're we're up what twenty percent since. It's unbelievable. I remember sitting down while we were making the cocktail booklet, talking about that. If you haven't picked up the top the uh, cocktail booklet yet, uh, that's one of the videos on there. It's uh, we talk about this exact same scenario at just about this exact same time last year. It's really incredible. But yeah, it would, I believe it would take an event to yes. really crush this thing. Or we go to complete euphoria mode, something more akin to uh, the tech bubble, which we're nowhere near what the tech bubble was. As far when, when people start talking about value, there's nothing like that. I don't see the same sort of, a lot of people are still down on this market, right? I feel during the uh, tech boom, there was a level of... Now, granted, I was 12 years old, but there was this level of the future is now. We're going to have hologram cars. Everyone's in. I, I, I'd say what's happening in Bitcoin, for instance. I'm not even going to talk about what happened with GameStop. That's a whole, <laughs> a whole mm-hmm. other can of worms. But like, what's happening in Bitcoin is much closer to the irrational exuberance of the tech bubble. Now, I'm not saying... Would I short Bitcoin? No, not in a million yeah. freaking years. But there is that everyone's becoming a zealot where it's like, it's going higher. It's going higher. There will be no more currency. There will only be Bitcoin. <laughs> we will all be turned into you know digital people like Tron, right? And yeah, it's, I get what you're saying. And at the same time, we have companies like MasterCard and PayPal. They're saying they're going to start opening up to uh, crypto transactions which only fuels the fire for buying this right now. And you couple that with what Yellen said last week. I mean, short sellers are just going to continue to get burned just like short sellers in stocks. <laughs> or- well, because they don't, they, don't, they don't follow their technicals. I tell you, that is where you get burnt. <laughs> See, I brought it back around is what I like, again, uh, who bears repeating about trading just on technicals is that 
you will get out if you're disciplined before you're completely destroyed. Whereas if your reason for getting short, say Bitcoin or GameStop was just, this is dumb. Yeah. Well, you just see how dumb it can get, man. <laughs> you, you get your face ripped off. <laughs> so, a place where you so uh, a place where you don't need to get your face ripped off is, of course, uh, we got Market Mania coming back soon in uh, next month. So, if you didn't participate last year, uh, there's a certain basketball tournament in the United States that happens in March, and uh, I'm just giving you a little heads up now that we're going to send out an email at some point where we're going to have a bracket that pits a bunch of these indices against each other. And it's a ton of fun. Uh, we're going to have some serious prizes for that. So definitely, uh, if you're not on the tops of email list, check that out uh, because you're not going to miss that. I have a ton of fun with it. I usually try and write some ridiculous uh, blogs in the style of Skip Bayless or something. <laughs> Skip Bayless is the chef one, right? Or who, Rick who, Bayless. He, Rick so, Bayless. Okay, good. Skip Bayless. I was right the first time. <laughs> I'm just bringing my hottest takes to it. Since I'm I'm not really allowed to make my hottest takes on the market on the show, I do my hottest takes for uh, Market Mania. So be sure to check that out. Uh, once Dan's done being sick, which hopefully will be out tomorrow or the day after that, he'll be back on the forecast. If you want to check that out on the Top Step YouTube channel at 8 and the recap at 3. There was no coach's playbook today because Dan at his sick bed took with him our technology to do so. <laughs> so we took a little snow day today. Dan, uh, how is uh, the snow treating you? This was the ultimate snow day. My shoulders hurt. My neck hurts. I was literally up at uh, 5.30 this morning shoveling snow. And I put in time just helping out the block, I guess you would say. I mean, it's really... It's really incredible the amount of snowfall we got in the last couple of days. Yeah. We're in Chicago. We have feet of snow. <laughs> feet of snow. <laughs> right now. Uh, me too. I had to do, do my own shoveling today out in the alley. And uh, it reminded me when I was, you know, looking for a place. You're always trying to find those low homeowners association fees. And you know what? <laughs> Read the fine print, man. You might have to sh shovel your own snow and <laughs> do all sorts of stuff like that. So, well, John, uh, thanks for joining. Uh, I'm sure we'll get more snow tonight that we can shovel and talk about tomorrow. But it was great having you by here. And always good to hear your opinions on the markets. Thanks for having me, Jake. Love being here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, everyone else out there, hope that... Your week's a lot better if you're in the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to talk to you right now because it's probably pretty nice. <laughs> but um, regardless, it's almost the weekend. So have fun. Stay safe. Namaste. And trade well. Limit Up is presented by Top Step and produced by Dante32. Futures and Forex trading contain substantial risk It is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.